What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Laying the Points with Farley Bats. I am Farley Bats, Chris Farley, a.k.a. at Farley Bats across all social media. You can check me out at the33rdteam.com as they're head of betting and my weekly articles and best bets over there. You can check me out on the BetUS NBA and NFL shows, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday on the NBA show, Thursday on the NFL show. Things are going well over there. And of course, you can check me right here at the Odds Breakers and Laying the Points by my premium packages. NBA and NFL are doing pretty well. I'm always transparent about it. We're some shaky times in the NBA last week, but we will recover as we always do. It's starting to surge a little bit in the old National Football League as what tends to happen at this time of year. Barleybets.com is also coming, everybody. Look forward to that. Free picks and more of my own brand and content over there. Looking forward to that launch. But without further ado, we have a great guest on my podcast today to talk about some Week 15 NFL action. So don't want to waste any more time. Let's get to it and to our guest. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to Laying the Points with Farley Bets. And today I'm joined by a very special guest. Mr. Clive Bixby, well, at Clive Bixby 41 on Twitter is where you can find him. You can also find him on the Ford Progress NFL podcast via the Hammer Network every single week. It's usually late at night on a Sunday. Talk about those opening lines with Rob Pizzola over there at the Hammer Network. It's a fantastic show. And and really, Clive, I don't know if I, I know anybody, at least in the gambling t- Twitter space, <laughs> who's better at, at analyzing the market, especially in the NBA and NFL. So always looking forward to get your takes on that. Clive, you're also a constant purveyor, defender of proper conduct on gambling Twitter. I love how you call out those fake sports betting accounts and fake news, pick sellers and all that kind of stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, Clive, who I think I had on the show before, but if I haven't, welcome to Laying the Points, my man. Thanks, Chris. Uh, Yeah, I mean, there's some crazy shit that goes on on Twitter day in and day out, (laughs) especially gambling Twitter. I mean, that's not even getting into gambling TikTok, which is another worse environment but uh you know happy to be here yeah it's well it's interesting right because as we're seeing a burgeoning industry we're also seeing uh i mean you name it you know just tons of accounts being born every single day and and you know like we i mean we've talked about this plenty before because we've been involved with some similar things like sports wagering university etc how like i mean anybody can go on social media and say hey this is my pick, you know, and, and I mean, that doesn't really take any talent, right? But when it comes to market evaluation, transparency about winning and losing, uh, things like buying points, you know, things like that. I mean, there's just so many misconceptions out there right now because, because it's a burgeoning space, but everyone's kind of crowding into the marketplace. Uh, so people can follow those accounts who are, are really giving purely bad betting information, you know, so I like that. At least we have some of the, I mean, I feel like you're the old guard at some point, you know, so do I at this point, you know, just because we're kind of defending the old tactics that have actually been around for quite some time, and but now it's just very public. Yeah, I mean, whenever you get a industry, uh, marketplace, whatever you want to call it, that's on an upswing, you're going to find people that want to get involved and try and get some cheap hits and uh, you know, make money whatever way possible. And, and you're seeing that now on Twitter and it's, it's, it's a shame. Um, it, it's sad to see, but it's, it can be very predatory. It really can. That's a good word to use for it. Um, because people want to be 
sports betting now, right? Becoming legalized in every state. Hey, man, we just got officially, well, I guess it's been legalized in Maryland, but finally the apps are open here. So, I mean, I find myself very interested in those same game parlays, right? Like I have to talk myself um, off, off some of the bad tactics that I see because there's just so much action available, right? There's just so many different things that you can do. And there's a lot of a lot of easy ways to waste your money too, and just send it over there to the sports books. I think probably my favorite tweet of yours. I don't know the exact verbiage, but I saw recently you said something like, "Yeah, I bought 16 and a half points." Drove <laughs> that line way up, uh, dude. Like that notion about buying points. <clears throat> you know, like I don't know all the exact probabilities and numbers that go behind it, but like I know enough to know that you, you know, you just don't do that. You know, for the most part. And it's just, it's really funny when people tout it. Yeah. Uh, I think it said something like, I'm buying this under to like 58.7, and it was probably like 42 point under or something stupid <laughs> yeah. like that. Um, every point has a value and it has a, an appropriate price. The problem is the price is often inflated. Um, and to be honest, if anybody is good enough where they understand to the point of mispricings in the market for buying points, whether it be on a total or be on a spread, they're not giving it away on, on Twitter because they don't want the books to know that either. I mean, you know, well before Twitter gambling, like, you know, they used to charge 10 cents to, to move off the three or whatever it was like now that's not the case anymore. Like all these things uh, end up getting discovered and priced into the market by books you don't want to give up those edges that you have yep absolutely and 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 especially when the edges you have come at a pretty decent price right like and then you know you're, you're just putting yourself in a much uh less advantageous spot in all those situations so in case you haven't gathered folks at clive bixby 41 he ain't giving you a nine leg parlay on the show because he's trying to save you money you know, like that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to earn you money and save it. Maybe don't take those bets and don't and definitely don't take those inflated lines, inflated numbers, inflated juice. Yeah, plug like your leaks. I mean, it's just like, you know, I I I came up in gambling from a poker background where, you know, a couple stages in my life, that was my primary source of income. And that's what you have to learn to do. Um, it's not trying to figure out the fancy play that necessarily is going to, you know, win one out of a thousand times. It's how do you plug those little one, two percent leaks that are going to hurt your bankroll? Um, that that all adds up over time, and that allows you to grow and scale when you eliminate those things. Yeah, I mean, and at least may hopefully some of these new betters entering the marketplace are learning some of those things. And you know, I do think over time, um, these predatory accounts and people call themselves pro sports betters or just sports betters, whatever, you know, hopefully they do kind of die over time, right? Because people have to see that these tactics are not going to work for them in the long term. And it's, it's kind of the worst thing in the world, right? When like a tactic like that does work or like a six leg parlay where you're buying points and shit, things like that work because it's, it's, you know, singular, singular evidence that it can work from time to time. But, you know, keep in mind, folks, those things are, are touted times a hundred and the things that, you know, all the losses, all the mistakes, all the times that that doesn't work, that ain't touted. Right. And that is, so, you know, we just got to pay attention to what's kind of being swept under the rug. It's selection wise, uh, right? Like you choose yeah. the good things and that's where the transparency comes in. And, you know, for the most part, you don't get transparency out of gambling Twitter. Uh, 
and you certainly don't get people that said, I was wrong. Like, how little do you hear from somebody like, I had the read wrong. This is how I thought the game would play out. They made this adjustment instead. I was wrong. My numbers weren't right. Whatever it happens to be, I, I don't understand why that's so hard for people. I'm wrong all the time. Like, that's just the nature of the beast. It's just yeah. trying to be a little less wrong each day. Well, and it's a, it's a psychology thing, right? Because people who are generally people who are more insecure have a really tough time saying that I was wrong, uh, you know, because they're trying to, you know, protect their reputations or whatever. And then I guess the competition of the marketplace now too, right? You're, you're trying to put out your picks and be better than other people. So, you, you know, you could sneakily get away with other people thinking that you're doing really well, even if you're not because that's all you're touting. So, I mean, eventually, hopefully karma, these things catch up to people, but um, yeah, man, I, I struggle with that. Like either, either I want to be really loud about my wins and losses, or I just want to stay even keel about it all and be like, it ain't really me winning. It's not me losing either. It's just, you know, me, you know, taking the probabilities at hand and making the pos best possible choices I can and hopefully I end up on the right side of it you know I mean there, there are there is some skill involved obviously but man I mean the variance and just of like you know human nature and the volatility of it all especially in pro sports you know like it's it, it's tough to ever feel like you're 100% right or wrong on either side right it's just like shit happens in games you know like that that Rams Raiders game last week for example when they were down by two scores so many things transpired so that Baker Mayfield could make that happen at the end. And, you know, credit to him. Right. But like who can predict that kind of crazy, you know, human element right in the penalties and the things that happened along the way. Like if you bet on the Rams in that game, good for you. Um, I think I did actually, but it's not like I didn't necessarily feel like I was like right about that. Right. Just like things transpired at the end and the Raiders can shit the bed. So and that's the thing. It's like you choose events that affected the outcome negatively and you decide to focus in on those. Not you personally, obviously, yeah. anybody. I think it's just human nature, you know, end game variance in the NBA, right? With free throws and things like that. Yes, you can predict, you know, if this situation comes up, they get there two minutes left. This is what's going to happen the majority of the time. Good free throw shooting teams, bad free throw shooting teams. Uh, teams that foul late versus other teams that give up a little bit more easily. Those things are predictable, but the the range of outcomes still exists. You're not entitled to the average. Eventually, sometimes you're going to get the tail outcomes where yep. you know you could be up eight, and then all of a sudden you're up eighteen with two minutes, or they cut it to nothing, and then you go to overtime. Like those things happen. Yeah, it happened. I mean, last week in the NBA, I felt like I was on the far negative end of all of those transpirings <laughs> but but you know that's what happens week to week you know watch i'll probably have a lucky week this week and uh you know like a few days will be better than usual right like the hawks and grizzlies game last night uh that game hitting over man i i didn't so i hit the over at 227 and a half and that went down almost 10 points then of course you know i mean i, I hit that very early didn't know about that the hawks were going to rest that many players they rest that many players, it goes down 10 points. Either I just eliminate those units from my bankroll or that you know one unit play from my bankroll and kind of take the hit and just cancel it, or I just keep it in there, right? Um, kind of believing in the handicap. I ended up still covering and winning that bet, but holy shit, did that feel fortunate, right? So things things can go back and forth 
in that regard. And, you know, something you do really well too on, on Twitter that I've seen and just from hearing you speak is um, the only thing you can really control, the only thing we can control is what we do, right? The choices we make, our bankroll management, the best we decide to actually wager on. I mean, that's what we are in control of, right? So, I mean, these sports, you know, people believe in the jinx and stuff and all that. Like, we have no effect on these sports, guys. <laughs> Zero, you know, but we do have an effect on what we choose to do every single day. Uh, so, you know, just just a lesson to keep in mind always. I don't know if you wanted to expand on that. Yeah, it's the fact that a lot of the things that I say on Twitter, in all honesty, aren't all that entertaining either. And that's why there are people making content that have 15, 20,000 or more. Right. Like they're just going out there, they're throwing out picks. They treat it as entertainment and entertainment alone. And the reason I got onto Twitter was twofold. One, I was trying to grow as a better and learn network and try and gather more information that would help me be better at betting. Uh, not to steal that from Spanky. I apologize if he ever listens. Secondly, I wanted to help other people not get caught in the same traps and pitfalls and maybe traps is a bad word because that's just such a misused term now in like that content space. But how do you plug those leaks earlier? How do you make those mistakes less? And how do you shorten the learning curve? That's what I got into Twitter to do. So if that means I have a hundred followers, I don't give a shit. Like that's not what I came (laughs) here to do. None of that matters to me at all. So that's, that's the way that I'm approaching it. And I hope I help a few people along the way. I love it, man. I mean, the gambling industry right now is like Netflix when it first came out. Uh, Not everything on Netflix is going to be great. It's still not. I would give Clyde Bixby, though, over 90 percent of Rotten Tomatoes. And (laughs) you know, we could just we could just go from there. You know, it's quality over quantity and bullshit. And, uh, you know, and I'm a fan, man. I think, you know, hopefully karma even exists on a space like Twitter. Over time, people will, you know, recognize and you'll be surpassing those superficial accounts with 20K followers. Um, but, you know, but I know that you're really not that concerned about it. I know we want to get into these NFL games, but quickly, can you just tell our audience, because I think you've been on here before, but it's been a while if you have, just kind of how you got started with this whole thing. I know you already referenced your beginnings in poker. Yeah, so poker was the start of, of my gambling, um, not persona, uh, just my insertion into the gambling world. And I've always thought about things in a very probabilistic sense. Game theory. I was an econ major in college after psychology and computer engineering. So put those three things together and you can actually be a relatively dangerous sports better uh, if you can evaluate markets, understand certain situations, if they're priced into the market or not. And then, you know, what are those probabilities and, and try and find those plus EV bets. But for for me, like you just mentioned, you just have some of these new books available to you now. That's how I really got started in taking it seriously is when New Jersey was, I believe it was the first state to really launch huge, yeah. where you had 10, 15, 20 different sports books offering promos, boosts, things like that. That's how I learned. And I found enough bets to make a small profit with that. But I started to understand, all right, well, how is the market moving? What do I need to be doing? And for me, it's if I'm not beating the closing line 90% of the time, I'm missing something. That's the way that I approach sports betting. Not everybody is like that. There's maybe one, 2% of gamblers that could bet an hour before game time and be profitable and the closing line's near irrelevant to them. I'm not that. 
I try and find mispricings in the market, bet overnights, bet early so that I can get that closing line value. That tends to mean I'm on the right side of things. So over those lets, I guess it's probably like two, two and a half years now, I've just been able to expand my knowledge base, bet a few more sports, uh, originate NBA, originate some other sports here and there. But, you know, I don't care how I win money at sports betting as long as I'm not doing anything wrong, illegal, unethical. If it's finding mispricings in future markets, that's one way to win. If you're betting top down, that's another way to win. If you're finding ARBs because, you know, one one book's offering, you know, minus 120, the other one's offering minus 125, and you have books that aren't going to limit you for doing that, yeah. that's another way you can win money. It, it doesn't matter to me. There's no ego in this for me. This is a... Um, a very fun endeavor. Like I like to predict where the market's going to go. And if I could do that well, I will make money in the long run. Absolutely. I love it. And you know what? This is a good segue. We're going to talk about some NFL games here. And I think that's what makes the NFL so fascinating, right? Because, you know, we, we do have a week, you know, to really like analyze. It's like, feels like more of a science in that way. You know, Uh, they like NBA is just so constant that it's it's very hard to not completely remove yourself from having some kind of reactionary response to the way that you wager your bets because you're seeing these teams fluctuate so often, uh, whereas the NFL, it's like, okay, what am I getting right? What am I getting wrong here when these lines come out and you have a full five to eight days you know, to look that over? And that being said, let's get to start where these are a few games I picked out because I think particularly from a market analysis, they're really interesting. Let's start with the 49ers and the Seahawks. Now, Seahawks, this is as of probably an hour ago on, on, on DraftKings, and I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up as we go through this just to make sure that they're still current. But the Seahawks are three-and-a-half-point dogs at home. This is Thursday Night Football, Clive, and totals at 43-and-a-half. Now, maybe we could just start with a little like education. What, in your opinion, why is the market only having the Seahawks as three-and-a-half-point dogs with – how great this 49ers have looked the past two weeks, right? Just blowing teams out. Brock Purdy's getting the job done. And, dude, if you watch that Carolina and, and Seattle game last week, like I rewatched the film, there were so many instances where, I mean, it's showing me that maybe Carolina is a team to buy and maybe Seattle's a team to fade because the Seahawks were getting their asses kicked in the trenches, man. Like they were – Carolina was rolling them. You know, and, and that was a really interesting thing to see from Seattle at home. So what's your take on that game just from obviously an ATS perspective and kind of the way that the, the Seahawks are being valued? So Rob and myself, uh, Rob Pizzola is my co-host on Forward Progress for all of you that are listening that don't know the show. And 1030 is when we come on live and we we don't look at the lines. We guess the lines in which way that we think it's going to move. And, and guess probably isn't the right word. I, I'd rather use a different word because it seems like we're just pulling numbers out of a hat. But that's not necessarily the case. We want to talk about where we think the market's going to rate these teams off of last week's performance and where they're going to go. And we both came to a consensus and it's purely coincidental. Anyone listening, we didn't talk about this first. Yeah. I, you know, I write down and people can't see this, but uh, you can't see it. Either. Damn it. I write down what the numbers are that we say and then, you know, kind of track where we're going. And Rob and I were both kind of on the same track, 43 and a half, three and a half. So this is exactly where we expected this game to be. I'm wrong all the time. This one just happened to be right. 
Um, and then the reason being is it's the market downgraded San Francisco offensively after Jimmy G. One of the reasons is that I don't think it's as big of a downgrade as you'd think because of the style of offense that San Francisco runs. They're not a deep threat team, a lot of underneath stuff. They use the backs really well, crossing routes, things like that, get their ball into their speed guys' hands and try and let them create something. Brock Purdy can do that for them. Yep. Also, to your point, Seattle's defense, I think, is being exposed. And it's still a tough place to play. It's a Thursday night game. Um, we kind of thought, if I'm remembering this part correctly, we kind of thought that the number would sit around three and a half, maybe go San Francisco minus four. There's still a little bit of time, but for now, uh, I, I think this is the right number. I mean, what, what, what are your thoughts on potentially either downgrading Seattle more or upgrading San Francisco more or both? Yeah. Well, I, I do the same thing as you every week um, because I have to prep my uh, between the lines piece at the 33rd team. And uh, I, agree with basically everything you said i'll just i'll just add on that i think as as poor as the seattle defense has been uh we probably have seen some of their worst showings the last two games that they've played um you know um almost almost losing in that game against the rams allowing the rams to you know put up 23 points with wolford at quarterback just isn't a great look you know um and then and then you know obviously what the panthers did to them last week so i think there's probably a little bit of positive regression expected in that regard because you could say that this is i mean you know he, he's only played two and a half games but this is probably brock purdy's biggest challenge yet right because he does have to go on the road it's a divisional game place is going to be raucous and it is a seahawks revenge game right like there is that start of the season situation where the Seahawks beat the Broncos in week one, they looked really good in the trenches, especially they're really getting off the line much quicker than Denver. And then San Francisco had that weird game against the bears. The market did not overreact to that, right? San Francisco was eight and a half point favorites at home the following week and week two and, and San Francisco took care of business. Um, I think part of that is because the market don't like, Trey Lance as much as uh, San Francisco yeah. 49ers like Trey Lance. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I mean, the San Francisco 49ers might like Brock Purdy more than Trey Lance. I don't know when the season's all over. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I just think it has to be graded this close because you have to give some respect to Seattle. You have to give respect to the short week. Um, you have to note that Brock Purdy and the 49ers have faced two teams the past two weeks. I mean, especially last week going up against Tampa Bay. Uh, which hasn't sh really shown us anything on their offense all season, right? So they're really able to keep that game, uh, you know, within distance. And it was very impressive what they did to Miami, but Miami's defense hasn't exactly been consistent all year, and their defensive line couldn't get through, right, because San Francisco's offensive line is pretty damn good. Um, but th this is going to be a bigger test, so – yeah, man, I just agree with everything you said. I would actually probably lean to Seattle. I think it's going to be a pretty close game, but is it probably not a game that I'd bet. Yeah, uh, if anything, I think I'm looking at more of an over than anything. Um, I think we could see a little bit yeah. of uh, fireworks. Seattle's defense isn't good, uh, and I think all the speed that San Francisco does have on offense, if they can get the ball into some of their key players' hands, I, I could see that going well for them. I like I like it. Okay, let's move on to Giants and Commanders. 
my Giants starting to kind of maybe show their true identity a little bit here, Clive, right? And that game against the Commanders two weeks ago, both teams, uh, something that just stuck out to me, not not good on third down. Uh, the Commanders were 3 of 14, Giants were 4 of 13, both 30% or less. But but closely fought game, you know, Giants won the second and third quarter. Both teams had success in the ground. Washington won first and fourth quarter. Both teams also made some bad mistakes. You know, I, I, I found myself even saying, I think the Commanders probably deserve to win that game, but I'm not so sure. I mean, the Giants fumbled at the very start of that game, which Washington uh, converted into a field goal. The Giants fumbled at the start of the second half. Washington, I'm sorry, Washington fumbled at the start of the second half. Giants converted that into a touchdown. Both made some bad mistakes. Spot advantage is obviously Washington after a bye at home. And, and dude, I'm not, I'm not panicking about the Giants-Eagles because that's just a situation where the Giants are going to be outclassed on almost every positional unit. Yep. against a team like Philly, right? Like, it's just – they're just not that good. They're just not good enough to compete with a team like that right now. My question for you is, we have the Giants as four-and-a-half-point dogs and the totals 40. I know they're on the road. Are the Giants truly regressing, or are these two pretty evenly matched teams? I mean, this was an overtime game two weeks ago, right? So um, would you lean towards the Giants here, or do you think the market got it right? No, I'd lean towards the Giants. Um, let me see what it opened at. I think, you know, uh, on the show, we predicted a total of 40 and five and a half as an opening line. And to be honest, I don't know where, where it did really open. Um, just because this is a, a difficult game. I do lean the Giants 100% for what it's worth. Uh, it looks like it opened either five or four and a half, depending on where you're looking yeah. or juiced five. And when I'm talking about this, just for anybody listening, I'm, I'm not talking about like FanDuel or, or um, you know, DK. I'm talking about... Circa, Bookmaker, Pinnacle, some of the, the yep. more sharper books. Um, but I, I think four and a half is a little too much. I think these teams are actually relatively even. Washington would be maybe about a point better in my quote-unquote power rankings. Um, so I, I think four and a half is a little too much. I think anything over three and a half feels like it's a little bit too much to me, to be honest. Um, I know the Giants, I think part of it's injury related for the Giants. So it depends on who they get back this week, too. Um, you know, Leonard Williams, big part of that defense too. So it, it's a little bit dependent, but right now I'm definitely leaning Giants. Yeah, I think Adoree Jackson is a big uh, piece for the Giants as well. Um, he, he's not a great cornerback, but he's he's significantly better than who they have as his replacement the past few weeks. And, you know, that's the thing, that's the thing that's unfortunate about the Giants this year now for the past few weeks. They really don't have the secondary. You know, once they get behind, uh, you know, their defense has been – now, their pass rush has been a little bit better, right? But their secondary can just put them in these positions where they have to play from behind, and they're not a team that can play from behind, right? I mean, Daniel Jones isn't going to, like, air it out and come back, you know, down, down 10, 14 points. Um, they don't I, have the wide receiver to separate oh, and make yeah. that happen either. So yeah. how much of their offense really in the first six, seven games of the season – was Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones scrambling and making things happen to extend drives. 100%. What you can do to counter that is don't play as much man-to-man so that Daniel Jones doesn't get those windows to run. And you start to game plan around that. And you haven't seen Daniel Jones really have as much success with his legs last few weeks overall. Yeah, and and I think it worked early because, you know, Jason Garrett-led offenses in the past. Like the Giants just weren't that team – who was innovative enough offensively to make corrections like that. 
Um, then they did it the first half of the year. But now, you know, it's interesting. You're seeing across the league, right? Falcons, Seahawks, Dolphins even, Giants. Some of these teams with some early success. Well, there's some pretty sharp coaches in the NFL, so they're adjusting, and they're starting to limit those offenses a little bit, right? And that's that's what you see where some of this younger first iteration of these offenses, maybe it works at first. Is it going to keep on working? No, they have to figure something out, and maybe they might not have enough talent too. I, I think that's especially the case for the Giants. That being said, I do I do think this is going to be a closer game because there's so much on the line in this one. You know, they take kind of the prime position in the uh, wild card race in the NFC. But I think I think I think the I think that the Commanders are going to win, but I think the Giants might still cover this line. So um, probably not anything I'm going to execute a big bet on right now or anything. But and it's hard to bet on my Giants squad. <laughs> so, yeah. it, it can be painful. It can it can be real painful. Okay, let's get to another really interesting one. This is one I jumped on right away. I've got some strong thoughts about it. But I want to hear what you think about it first. Obviously, the Dolphins haven't looked good the past two weeks. Um, but seven and a half now, seven and a half point dogs against the Bills. One thing I'll bring up that is a concern. Apparently, the, the Dolphins had heaters next to them at the uh, at the Chargers game when it was like 50 degrees, dude. It's it's about to be freezing and windy in Buffalo. Okay, so uh, if they can't handle 40 to 50 degrees in LA, I don't I don't love that for Miami. But that's moved a lot that's gone down from 47 to 42 the weather is yeah, going to be a big big issue yes yeah windy and cold so what are your thoughts on it is is the line right i i have a hard time giving up seven and a half here yeah the other factor that i am considering tyreek hill i don't know how banged up his ankle really is i don't yep. know if he's gonna play but some of that speed gets taken away um, in some of these weather conditions. It can. It doesn't always happen that way. So I, I guess what I'm thinking is, given the Dolphins, the Dolphins' defense's deficiencies, I can make a case for the Bills, too, um, with yeah. the weapons that they have and, and kind of coming out and then the Dolphins not being able to come back in this game. So this is really tough at seven and a half for me. Um, I don't know. What, what, what are your thoughts? This is a game for me. That's probably just to stay away, but. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm in a position right now where I kind of wish that I stayed away. <laughs> uh, I came out um, pretty assertive about the fact that this line was wrong. I didn't, I didn't think that it was going to move up. You know, I thought it was going to hang at seven, maybe, maybe hit six and a half. Um, because the you know because now Miami's in a little more of a desperate spot like they want to get right again they did have some success against the bills earlier and you could say you know their defense is improving a little bit right if you I got the numbers around here somewhere but if you um they're only allowing 22 points in the last four games now that includes a 33 point total against San Francisco right so if things go a little differently there then it's even lower um I think this game has a chance to look a lot like last week's game between the Bills and the Jets, you know, just kind of crappy weather. But the Dolphins certainly have a better offense than the Jets, but the Jets probably have a significantly better defense than the Dolphins. Uh, so, you know, that's the issue, right? And that's what I can't – how much success are the Bills going to have offensively against the Dolphins? That's something that's really tough for me because Dolphins played really well back in week three 
against the Bills, but they also had the Bills on the other side of the you know sideline, like 120 degree heat. Bills offense was out there 40 minutes in that game. They were taxed. Uh, this game's going to feel a lot different. This is set up for Buffalo, you know, to really take advantage. But I just, it's the number itself is really tough for me to be like, yeah, of course, Bills, Bills minus seven, Bills minus seven and a half. So maybe it's a stay away in the end for me. Here's the other consideration, and I'll look into this a little bit in terms of the coverages that two has been facing. Um, I don't model things at a player level at all in the NFL. Like I'm mostly market driven, and then I make adjustments off of that. Tua's arm strength is an issue, right? Like, yes. so you're going to put him in these cold and windy conditions as well. You're not going to see Tua that you saw the first four, five, six weeks of the season, uh, concussion notwithstanding, when he was healthy and playing. I can see him struggling a lot in this offense being more impacted than it usually would be in average conditions. That's why I can see, you know, making a case for Bills minus seven and a half, because I think he could struggle a lot more than the average, the average good quarterback would struggle. Like yeah. would Herbert struggle as much in this particular situation right. with his arm strength? And, you know, probably not. Um, so that that's another factor to think about that. It's just such an anomaly of a situation and there's no data on it. So it's kind of a little bit of the eye test and what you think is going to happen. Yeah. And I, I mean, I was very impressed by the Buffalo defense last week. And I, you know, I think a way to get your offense going in weather like that is to lean on your run game. Right. But Miami doesn't yes. really have much to speak of and the bills are pretty damn good against the run. So I, I, I tend to agree with like the more I think about it, you know, Don't let me talk you into it. I'm just, you know, I'm just a market guy. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. But like the more that I think about it, um, although the number was like rough from the very start, I do think that the Bills probably make a very good teaser leg. Uh, now that it's over seven and a half, too, you can get under that seven, under that three. Maybe that's the way that I'm going to approach this if I approach it at all. But it's um, a very good idea. Yeah, very, very good. I might, I'm thinking about teasing that and the Jets because the Jets Lions game that like equally, like, you know, it sets up for Buffalo that sets up really good for the jets. I think, right. Like you're in like outdoor weather um, at East Rutherford lions offense has to slow down a little bit there. Jets defense, man, they might be the best in the NFL. I mean, they're, they're consistently stout every single week. They play so well. Um, one of the best young corners in the league. He's incredible. If not the best young corner, actually, you know what? I, I think I would say he's probably the best young corner. Yeah. In the league. And he plays with swag. Um, you know, the name's fitting. Sauce, it, is, but. It, is, it is fitting. Well, I know we're about out of time here, Clyde, but let me just ask you really quickly since we are. Um, any thoughts on the Jaguars and Cowboys? Because that's an interesting one. You know, the Sharps love the Jags. I think we saw why some of that, you know, love uh, occurs last week against the Titans. Trevor Lawrence looking really good, finally coming into his own. And kind of a trap spot for Dallas, you know, I mean, I don't know about a trap because they played sleepy last week, but they got Philly after this six days later on Saturday in week 16. Any any thoughts on Dallas and Jacksonville at four and a half? So every time I bet on Jacksonville, I lose. Every time I bet against Jacksonville, <laughs> I lose. I'm the same way, man. So I can't seem to get them right. It's probably they're they're my Sacramento Kings of last year in the NBA. So same version of an inconsistent team that has talent. Yep. So 
what team do you think is going to show up when Trevor Lawrence doesn't get pressured and he's got a clean pocket for the most part, you get a better Trevor Lawrence most of the time. Not going to get that against the Cowboys. Um, Jags don't have as much of a home field advantage relative to other teams, at least, you know, quantitatively. Cowboys travel well. I I would not be surprised if you see a huge influx of Cowboys fans at the Jacksonville game. It would not shock me at all. I don't know if you will, but I'm just, you know, thinking out loud. I, I don't think four and a half is a bad number to, to lay on the road here to this Jacksonville team. And, you know, for somebody who is more inclined to think, does Dallas have something to prove this week, given what happened against Houston this week? If you want to factor that in a little bit, I could see a little bit there too. Yeah, I was going to say that. I, w- I would like the Jaguars a little more if, if Dallas took care of business in emphatic fashion last week, but that, that did not happen. <laughs> so, uh, Jacksonville I, has not done well against explosive offenses either, to be yeah. fair. Um, I, I don't have the data in front of me, but you know, they hold relatively poor offenses at bay, but good offenses seem to do very well against the Jags. I'd have to yeah. look that up to confirm that. That's just what I'm thinking off the top of my head. Yeah, the Jaguars are a defense the way that I always talk about them. You know, they're young, they're really athletic, um, and they have like an explosive quality to them, but they also make a lot of mistakes. But if the other team, if the offense makes mistakes, like we saw Dak throw some bad interceptions last week, man. If the offense makes mistakes, they're the kind of defense that can, you know, take advantage of that kind of fly in front of the ball, et cetera. Um, you know, so they're they're kind of touch and go when it comes to like what to expect from the Jaguars defense, but they, they have the capability. I think they're going to be really good down the road. You know, they're just not there yet, but um, just wanted to get your quick thoughts. And that's a really interesting one to me. And I, I'm just like you, man, I bet off the Jaguars, like I bet on the other team when I think everybody's valuing them a little too much and then I lose. Uh, and then I bet on the Jaguars when they flounder. So hopefully I find my rhythm. I think I bet on the Jaguars when they faced, Oh, no, that's right. I bet on the Texans in that spot. That was the one win for the Texans earlier this year. Uh, so at least I can claim that. But Clive, man, great having you on the show. I knew this was going to happen, too. Whenever I talk to you about any kind of sports betting, I want to go on for about another 90 minutes. Uh, we like to keep these presentations a little short here with the podcast just so people can get going. But, you know, well, if people I, like I it, it, I'll come back. Yeah. Yeah, man. Please do come back. We'll talk some NBA, too, in the future. Um, you can find him at Clive Bixby 41 over there, and you can find him at the Ford Progress NFL show via the Hammer Network every week. Clive, thanks so much for coming on, man. Yeah, great time. Thanks for having me. We'll see you soon. Good luck. Bye.